0: For them, and that's why when we talk about opening our hearts, it's open to the words of the songs that we sing as well as the word that gets preached out. And uh, thank you very much for the special music, Larry. If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're in Galatians, and uh, we've had a lot of discussions over the last oh months and times it seems to come around about how much how much we make the gospel or our relationship with Christ about us instead of about God and we know that the first two weeks we saw that Paul was talking about teaching the truth again and so you know my question usually is is, is you know sometimes we get in the mindset well if I do enough for God then, then he's going to recognize me and um, he should reward me or pat me on the back. And we we do things for the wrong reason. And my question is, is why are we doing the things that we're doing? You know, the Bible tells us a lot of times to esteem others greater than ourselves. It tells us not to let our right hand know what our left hand is doing. And when we do things for Christ, it's because of who we are. And we don't even think of these things that we do. In the gospel message, it talks about... Uh, the separation of the sheep from the goats and there's one phrase when Jesus was talking about you know when I was hungry you fed me when I was naked you clothed me when I was in prison you came and visited me and the righteous says when did we do these things they weren't keeping the checklist they weren't marking it off as as a duty towards God that God needed to recognize but when they went to the unrighteous they were like yes When you were in prison, we did these things. When you were hungry, we fed you. When when you were naked, we gave you clothing. And I want us to to really try to grasp as we go through Galatians here that we can't really separate our Christian walk from uh, our regular life. It's like a, a loaf of bread. I've used this before. When we mix the dough of bread and we put that yeast in there, that yeast is activated, and it affects that whole ball of dough. And God tells us that when we are Christians, when we became born again this Holy Spirit came in us, and it affects our whole life. It, it affects our thought process. It affects our behavior. It affects the words that we say. And so when Paul is coming back to Galatians here, he starts out by saying, I need to teach you the truth again. I was there and I taught you this and you realized that you were saved Uh, by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And those are Romans things. But these are the points that Paul would have preached to them. That there's none righteous, not one. We all deserve hell as a result of, of sin in our life. There's none righteous, not one. And so he began teaching the truth again. And then he said, then there is no other gospel. And we saw that the gospel was getting perverted in the beginning of Galatians 1 where there were those that were jealous that were trying to add things into the faith. And I think if we really step back and we really look at religions today and we look at churches today and we look at things, we see either those that are adding in things to the gospel or those that are removing things from the gospel. And so we're going to talk today about the divine source of the gospel that that Paul preached. Paul is still defending his apostleship at this point and when we talk about a divine gospel revelation that is what the holy spirit or what god himself reveals to us and in the world today we can see a lot of people that know the words to say maybe they've been raised in a church maybe they've read the bible maybe they listen to christian radio and they know the little phrases to say. They know the little answers to give. They know the little cliches that are so popular in, in Christian circles today. But there's a difference between knowing about Christ and being known by Christ. And in the world today and in the church today, there's a lot of people that know Christ, know about Christ, but the question is, are they known by Christ? And so when we are known by Christ, that's because his spirit lives in us. His, our spirit testifies with his spirit. He is alive and active in our life. And so today we're going to go through just 11 through 16 or 17. And this is really talking about his call to apostleship. When we talk about divine relationship. And, and if you're born again and you're sitting here today, you can talk about that time when, when you had that encounter with Christ. It wasn't just sitting at a, at a, a, a Bible study or a Sunday school and learning about Jesus and going home and saying, well now I know all about Jesus. I've met a lot of people in the world, in the prison system in the world, uh, wherever you go, I know a lot of people that know a lot about Jesus, but they don't know him and he doesn't know them. And so my challenge today is as we look at the scriptures, to ask you, have you had that divine revelation from Christ? Is his Holy Spirit alive and active in your life? Because for the non-believer, the intellectual, when they're not seeing results of things, they walk away from it. When they're not seeing results of their faith, they tend to shy away from God and what he is doing. They're they're, um, output experienced, meaning they've made it all about themselves. And unfortunately, A lot of us have done that in the past. A lot of people do that today. So we say, well, God, I'm a good Christian. I I do this, I do that. I, I help those that are in need. I go to church every Sunday. I read my Bible. You know, why are these things happening in my life? And we can't ask that question because there's no answer for that other than we live in a sinful world and we ourselves are sinful people. And there's consequences in our life, and we need to realize that. But what we can be assured of is the promises that God gives through his word, and that is that he is at work at all the circumstances in our life. We don't always understand it, we don't always agree with it, but God is at work because God is sovereign in what he does. And so, Paul's gospel message that he preached and that he's reaffirming here did not come from a desire to please men. Again, in the world today, people are, tend to be people pleasers. Okay? We're in a, a political uh, realm right now where we hear a lot of politicians, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, but they're making promises to people. They're trying to get their vote. They're trying to sway them to their side. They, they want to convince them of something. Paul's going to say, I'm not trying to get you to think the way that I think. I'm trying to get you to think the way that God thinks. Paul's idea was not, I want to persuade God to my way of thinking, which is the way a lot of times we approach prayer, or we approach God in the circumstances that we're going through, we're going through something maybe rough in our life, and we don't understand it, we don't really like it, and so so we, we try to convince God to see things our way. But that wasn't Paul's way. Paul's idea was that God was his audience. And Paul wanted to speak first to God and then to man. He wasn't out to please men, and as a matter of fact, he said that near the end of our scriptures last week in Galatians 1. that He says, if I was just out to please men, I couldn't be a bondservant of Christ. And we sort of ended our, our thought of that. We can't really be a a servant of Christ if we're out to please men in all the things that we do. And so it starts out in 11. It says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through a divine revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And so we see him explaining his situation there. And he's saying, I I haven't been even appointed as an apostle by men. We know that when Judas betrayed that they wanted to fill in that twelfth apostle, they casted lots for that. He says, I wasn't part of that. It wasn't, I wasn't part of the man process to be appointed as apostle. He says, I was appointed by God. And he says, it is God who has called me to these things. So he says, I make known to you that the gospel which I preach to me is a, not according to man. Timothy talks about they're going to try to heap up themselves preachers that tickle their ears. Time and time again, I have a lot of friends that are pastors, and they'll talk about people that leave the church because the pastor got them upset. You should have heard the message that he said. They stepped on our toes. See, we don't like to be confronted with the truth. We need to speak the truth and love to one another, even even as other believers when we are, are speaking. We need to speak the truth and love. We need to call sin, sin. Again, as we've talked about, Woe to those who call evil good in good evil. So we need to speak this truth in love. But he says, he says, I didn't preach it according to man. He says, I'm going to preach the gospel according to Jesus Christ. For I neither received it from man nor was taught it. But it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, you can memorize things and scripture memory is good, knowing things in the Bible is good, but if you are just reading and just learning without prayer, without the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and I will tell you that the Holy Spirit's revelation in your life will always be in agreement with his word, you're missing the boat. There's a lot of people, and I use the prison as an example, because we got a lot of guys that have nothing better to do than study and if they're going to study they like to study God's word and so they'll check out the commentary after commentary after commentary and they read all these commentaries and they lean on these commentaries and I'll ask them sometimes have you prayed about this have you read the scripture what what does the scripture say even without the commentaries the commentary should not be our gospel the daily bread should not be our gospel the Oswald Chambers utmost for his highest should not be our gospel Those are things we go to to supplement after the fact. We read the gospel message. We read what God's word says. We let the Holy Spirit speak to us about these things. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, I'm not doing things according to man. I'm doing things according to God. Now, am I saying commentaries are bad? No, commentaries are are good. They are great educated men. But that is not our gospel. And I believe in a way that that's what Paul is saying when he's saying this. He says, neither did I receive it from a man. I didn't read some person's opinion and say, well, that's it. That's how I believe. We read the gospel. We let God speak to our hearts. We believe it because the Bible says it. And we go from there. And so he says, I wasn't educated by men. Now, we know that Paul was a Pharisee, right? We know that he was a religious leader. We know that he was was well-knowledged in Scripture or in the Old Testament laws, for sure. We know that he wasn't just a dummy sitting on the corner. He was a very smart man. He knew a lot of things. But he said the things that he was really learned, and he's going to tell us this in a little bit beforehand, weren't from God. They were from the schooling of the Pharisees. And so he says, I neither received it from man or was taught it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say, if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So he says, if I'm just out to please people, I can't be Christ's slave. Because he says, guess what? To be a Christian means we go against the flow sometimes. When we're a Christian, that means that we stand up for things that aren't always popular, that aren't always uh, politically correct. But we have nothing to fear because we are standing up for God in these situations. He said he could not direct his ministry towards pleasing men and at the same time be pleasing towards Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about that. One of my goals has always been, since I've been in the ministry, and I I know I don't always hit it, but it's to, not just to challenge, but it's to step on toes and then encourage. There's always hope. We need to come to the reality of who we are. We are sinful people. Our nature of its own, is evil. Our nature, left unchecked, well, you can turn on the news and see what it's like in the world. That's man's nature. A lot of Christians still battle with that nature. We have that nature still in us, but we also have the Holy Spirit in us. And so that's why it tells us to submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit in our life. But if I say, well, I want to please everybody. I don't want to offend everybody here. I want to keep everybody, you know, happy. I can't be pleasing to Christ. And Paul said he understood that in his ministry, that that wasn't going to happen. And if his concern was not first to please Jesus, he was never going to be a bond servant of Christ. He was never going to be effectual in the ministry that he was doing. Today there's many churches that are filled with, with pastors that, that like to tell jokes. And there's nothing wrong with a, a lighthearted joke every now and then. But that's their ministry. They tell jokes. They, they just want to just fluff things up. Everybody's okay. I mean, we see the false teachers, especially on TV. We can see them all over. They want to make you feel good and they want your money. Those are their two messages that come out from them. We need to understand that God is here to challenge us. He's here to send us through the refiner's fire. We are full of impurities, even as born-again believers. We've been washed in the blood. Our sins have been forgiven. But guess what? He has this thing called sanctification. That means this working out of things the rest of our life. He tells us as Christians, we're going to be going through this refiner's fire that we are going to be pressed down, shaken up that we're going to go through difficult times where we learn not to lean on our own self, but we learn to lean on Christ. And so even when we think about this this word bondservant, it it, it really means to be a slave of Christ. And I want to ask you, in in your personal relationship with Christ, do you look at it that way? And I know slave has has this negative connotation in, in the world today because of of the history of America and the history of the world, really, and what slaves are. But it's really not that far off from that. Except we have a good master. But the slaves, the bond servant slave, his idea was, I want to please my master. I want to make my master happy. I want to serve my master. And we have this idea in our, in our modern theology of Christianity that, that uh, you know, service to Christ, living for him is essentially a, a voluntary thing or a part-time job that we carry on. We walk out the church, and if we have a couple opportunities during the week to do something godly, that's what we do. And we don't look at it as part of our character that says, this is who I am, even when nobody is looking, when nobody's watching. See, we, it is so ingrained in us that it is, it is who we are at all times. And that's the only time you're going to find that peace. That's the only time you're going to find that, that sensation of knowing that you are a child of God. Because if you're just doing it on a part-time basis, if you're just doing it once in a while, or, or you know, if I feel like it, the question is, are you really His? Do you really belong to Him? Because for the bondservant, his life was not his own. It belonged entirely to the Lord's. Can you say that today? That your life belongs entirely to the Lord's. And so he goes on, he says, you know, what I'm preaching is not according to man. It was not taught to me by man, but it was taught to me by God himself. Paul's message was not a man's attempt to to reach or understand God, and that's another thing that we have sometimes. We want to understand God. Our, Our yearning is to know more about him. We want to understand him, but he says, he tells us clearly in the scriptures, that as far as the east is from the west, so his ways are above our ways. Who can understand? We can't understand those things, but we spend our life trying to do that instead of just living in the life that he has given us God says this God's effort is to bow down and to communicate to us that's why he has given us the word what we need to know is in the word what we need to know we find out through prayer what we need to know we find out through the leading of the Holy Spirit you know they always say that with religion religion is is man's vain attempt to reach up to God but Christianity is God reaching down to man And so you see our our perspective, our view, our Christian world view changes when we look at things in that different way. When we look and say, you know, I don't don't need to be reaching up to God because he's already reached down to me. He has given me all the things that I need in my life. You know, men may have many marvelous things to teach us. The world's a fascinating place. I love, you know, reading about and, and watching things on on science, and, and on just the, the, the things that are just growing and happening in the world today. The medical field. Even through these, these crisis times that we're going through, it's amazing to see what our medical professionals are coming up with. You know, men have many marvelous things to teach us. But God's revelation, his divine revelation in our life, has all things that we need that pertain to life and godliness. And that's where our attention needs to be focused. When my life is focused upon Christ, is it for all things that pertain to life and godliness? Second Peter 1.3 tells us that. And now more than ever in a world, in a world in the state that we are in, we need this more than ever. We need God's word to guide us. We need advice and wisdom, not from men or men's ways, but from God and his word. We need that revelation from God. Life is a difficult thing, and sometimes we feel very alone in the world. I think you've all probably read that the poem, Footprints in the Sand. And that's a, it's a marvelous poem, and it sort of talks about when, when the person got to heaven, they looked back, and on the beach they would see these two footprints where, where God and, and uh, the person walked together but every now and then they would see one footprint and at the end he sort of says you know that was a wonderful thing Lord that you were with me but I've often wondered how come in the times when I've needed you most in the times when I was really down you left me there was only one set of footprints and God says because that's the time child when I carried you See, Paul is telling us when we put our dependence on God that he will carry us, that he will take us through the storm. Jesus stepped into the boat and said, Be still, storm. And it was still. God is our protector. He is our provider. He will give us everything that we need in our life. In Acts 9, we know the conversion of Paul. And I think he talks about this a little bit when he's he's talking about his testimony, and when he says, I have learned things from from God and not just from man. I just would like to share a little bit of this in 920 and twenty two, or 9, 1 through 9, I think. And this is on the Damascus Road. We know the story, but it says, Then Saul, he was called Saul before he was called Paul, still breathing threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way that means believers any of the Christians along the way whether men or women that he might bring them to be bound in Jerusalem so what he did is he went to the leaders Saul was a persecutor of Christians before he got saved he was a mocker and a reviler he was zealous in what he did but he he wanted them gone and so he says can I get a letter that will allow me to bind these people and, and chain them and bring them back And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone upon him from heaven. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He had been blinded by this bright light. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So this is his encounter with Christ this is his divine revelation of Jesus and for all of us that are born again for all of us that are going to know Christ in our life we have one of these moments where God speaks to our heart and we know beyond a doubt that it is God that is speaking to us the Lord spoke to Paul directly on this road to Damascus and it says that Paul spent three days without sight without eating without anything the numbers mean a lot of things we're not going to get into those right now but there is this encounter that Paul had so you may say well why was Paul so zealous for all these things well because he had saw God and he had saw the hand of God he was brought to this person called Ananias and Paul certainly had this gospel right away. If you go a few more verses down in chapter 20 or in verses 20 and 23, it talks about him knowing this gospel right away, but this was his encounter with God. And he never looked back from that point. And so we understand that too as we look at things, as we look at 13. For you have heard of my former conduct in Jerusalem, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Paul was saying I was an enemy of the church. Some of you sitting here were enemies of the church before you were saved. Well, you'd say, well, I I never really took up arms against the church or anything. But maybe you mocked at God. You ignored God. You heard his voice, but you didn't obey his voice. Maybe you made fun of those that, that knew Christ. There's many ways to be an enemy of God. Just by not being his, you're walking the ways of the world, can make us enemies of Christ. But Paul proved that this message did not come from man. And so he says this in verse 13. You have heard of my former conduct. I persecuted the church beyond measure and tried to destroy it. He didn't say I was just trying to make fun. He says I wanted it wiped out. Many of the Jews back then, we know this because they put Jesus to death, but many of the Jews back then would capture Christians and chain them and torture them. They'd use them as, as human torchlights, And people would gladly give their life for that. They were thrown in, in to be persecuted in with the, the lions and the bears and the hungry animals and tortured and killed that way. There was a faith that was involved with this. And he says, I was all part of that. He says, I was trying to destroy it, and I, advanced, and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. He says, I was way above a lot in our faith. He said, I had elevated myself up. I had become a Pharisee, a teacher of the teachers. People looked up to me. I knew, I thought at that time what I was talking about. And he says, I was above those contemporaries of my own nation. He was saying, I was a leader. There was no doubt about it that people were looking up to me, exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He says, I believed those Jewish laws, and I believed them unto death. I was sincere about these things. But Paul's going to share later down the road, he was sincerely wrong. Many of us in our lives are sincere about things, but we can be sincerely wrong because the only truth is that which is in God's Holy Word. But it says, but when pleased, but when it pleased God. That's the next point we look at. When it pleased God. When God had this call on him. When it pleased God in God's timing who separated he, me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. So Paul's saying God didn't call me because I was a great leader. He didn't call me because I was a good man. He didn't call me because of anything that I had done because he called me when I was still in my mother's belly. Another pro-life statement, right? God knew that child when he was in his mother's belly. And so it says when it pleased God he revealed himself to this person and that's why we always say today is the day of salvation. If you hear God's voice, don't shut your ears. God has set a time when He will call us unto Him. And we want to be responsive to what He has called us to. And he says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through His grace, His unmerited favor, we're saved by faith through grace, not of works lest any of us should boast. It would be so easy to say, Well, you know, I've been a preacher for almost 30 years. I deserve to go to heaven. God says no you don't. He says you're a sinner. You deserve hell. I'm no more righteous than anyone. My righteousness is through Christ and Christ alone. If you're a born-again believer, your righteousness is not in anything that you've done, but it's through what Christ has done for you. That's why when we come to the Lord's table, we have the symbol of his body and his blood, the gift of Christ in eternal life we go back to our our colors of salvation sin was blackness red was the color of blood Jesus died for our sins white was he wanted to make us holy gold was he he promised us eternal life with him green was he wanted us to grow and to continue to grow baptism was the picture of Jesus's death burial and resurrection And so we can share those things with people. And I believe Paul took all these things with him when he was sharing with the Galatians. He was upset with the Galatians because they had strayed from the truth. They knew what the truth was, but they had gone another way. And he's pleading his case right now. This is why I'm an apostle. This is why I'm feverant for what I am doing. For you have heard, he says. It seemed that everyone had heard about Paul's conversion. Even the apostles were were afraid and the Christians were afraid because Paul had been a persecutor. He'd been hunting them down and chaining them up and and wanting to take them to prison. And now all of a sudden he's saying, I've been saved by Jesus. The value of a personal testimony. Each one of you in here today has a testimony in your life. You can testify to something you've gone through. You can testify, testify to struggles that you've been in. You don't need to have a dramatic conversion like Paul did on the road to Damascus. Your life is your testimony. And when Christ is the center of it, it's exciting and it's powerful for others. But he talks about this former conduct. And I want you to listen to how he talked about it before his conversion. Because before his conversion, he was saying, I tried to destroy the church. Paul's credentials were a jealous Jew who persecuted the church. And he had all these eyes that were in there. When I did this, when I did that, and I rose to this. But then he had this revelation with Christ. And when it pleased God, Paul did not come to Jesus because any man decided that he should I'm not up here trying to talk anyone into coming to Christ Jesus is the one that calls we sow seeds, we water we, we nurture that which is in God's word but it's only God who can call on the heart do you know Christ as your savior, do you know that God did not choose Paul because there was something that Paul did that pleased him There's nothing that we have done in our life that we can say, well, I must have done something to please God. That's why he called me. The wages of sin of death, the gift of God is eternal life. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. Paul, knowing the Old Testament, might have known the scripture out of Psalms. Psalms 27, 7 and 8 says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. Some of us have been there. We go through tough times and we cry out to God, God, why why am I going through this? Why this struggle? You know, we have the address, by the way, in our uh, bulletin today of of Katie, if you want to send her something. My heart goes out for her family and for her friends because here's this young gal, 12 years old, has been battling this cancer For a long, long time. And I'm sure mom and dad and family and friends have, and maybe Katie herself, have cried out, Why? Why do I need to go through this? Well, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. And he says, When you said, Seek my face, God answered and said, Seek my face. And he says, My heart said to you, Lord, Your face. I will seek. See, God wants us to seek him when we are in those difficult times. And that's what Paul did. He sought after God in those difficult times. When it pleased God, he was called through his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And so, he had a purpose and a call. And you have a purpose and a call in your life. Paul is saying to the Galatians, listen, this is my testimony, this is my story, you know it, there's one truth, and that truth is through Christ and Christ alone. Do you know him as your Savior? Is he speaking to your heart today? Are you battling something that that you're hanging on to and you're not willing to let it off into God's hands? Sometimes, you know, there's these little cliches that, that go around and There's one that says, you know, if you love something, let it go. If it comes back, it belongs to you. Well, I put that in a Christian sense. And and really, if you're going through something, sometimes you just need to let it go. And if it's God's will, it's going to happen. Because God is in control. We've had a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety about elections, about this and that that are going on. But guess what? God is in control. When he talks about giving us a peace that surpasses all understanding... Do you have that peace in your life? That peace in your life only comes by knowing Christ. Doesn't mean we're not going to have troubles in the outside life. As a matter of fact, if you follow Paul's life, and I've probably shared this before, but Paul, before his conversion, had everything that the world would say that you would want. He had had everything. He had power. He had position. He could tell men, do this, and they would do that. He could, you know, go to the, the higher ups. He could, you know... He had everything that we would say in a worldly fashion was successful. But he didn't have peace in his life. But when he came to Christ, guess what? His whole life flipped upside down. He no longer had power. He no longer had position. He no longer had this authority. As a matter of fact, he was scorned by those he once had authority over. As a matter of fact, he wasn't liked by the Jews anymore, and he was really sort of held at bay by the Christians for a long time. He was sort of in a no-man's land for a long period of time. But he said that I have peace that surpasses all understanding. He says, all these things that I attained beforehand, he says, I count as rubbish for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. See, God wants to do more than just reveal Jesus Christ to us. He wants to reveal Jesus in us. When we're in the world today, I want you to think about that. Are are you letting people see Christ in you? Our hope of glory? Or are they just seeing you? Are they seeing a blowhard? Are they seeing somebody that's a hypocrite? Are they seeing somebody that's pretending? They're one way here and they're a different way there. See, Paul is telling us this. God wants to do more than just reveal Jesus to us. He wants to have Jesus revealed in us. To work out, to show others. God has called you to a purpose. He's called you to a plan. Are you willing to follow him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, again for your word. We thank you for your message to the Galatians as we are going through this. And Lord, they were a church that knew the truth. Just and, and the church is really people, as we look at it. But they were a church that that knew the truth. They were people that knew the truth, but yet they began to wander from it, and they began to add on other things, and they began to depend upon their works and their selves. And Father, we are so prone to do that. Many of us, Father, would. Wish in many ways that you would put a price tag on salvation because it'd be so much easier, so much cleaner. We'd feel so much more justified in it to give you five bucks or ten bucks and say, There, you got your ticket into heaven. But it's not that way. When we look at ourselves, we look at ourselves and say, We are sinners, we are darkened souls. We are really brute beasts in this world. And there's nothing redeemable in us. But you loved us. And you came and you gave your life for us. And you went to the cross of Calvary and died for us and shed your blood for us. And you rose again. And you have given us the promise that you will come in return to collect those that are yours. Father, I pray earnestly, Lord, if there are those that hear your words today, Lord, if they would accept that free gift. Nothing that we can do. Everything that you have done. So, Father, speak to hearts. And even as believers, Lord, if we have the Galatian attitude in our mind right now where we think that we're working towards our salvation. You've never told us to work towards our salvation. You tell us to work it out, which is living for you. It's the sanctification process. But what you have done is completed at Calvary, and we thank you for that. So Lord, bless each as they go their way. May we each know that we are a prized possession in your chest. You love each and every one of us. And, and not as the world loves. But only as God loves. While we were still sinners. You died for us. While we were your enemies. You gave for us. And Lord we thank you. For your great love. Your great mercy. Your great grace. We ask your blessing now in Jesus name. Amen.